There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to The Sherlock's Podcast, your guide to a more stylish life. Hello, I'm Georgie Corridge-Cole, Sherlock's founder and CEO, and welcome to today's Success Stories podcast. I am thrilled today to be joined by Antonin Chartier, also known as Onto, who is the founder and CEO of Jimmy Fairley, one of the coolest eyewear brands to have hit the market in recent years. The brand's ethos is simple to offer fashionable glasses at fair prices with a positive social impact. It's buy one, give one initiative in partnership with charity Restoring Vision has helped over a million people worldwide access site. Today, the brand operates 100 boutiques and counting across France, the UK and Belgium, but you're most likely to find Onto working alongside his growing team at their headquarters in Paris. Thank you so much for coming to London and for joining me today. Uh, I'm sitting here with Jimmy Fairley glasses on. I just said to you, <laughs> it's wonderful to be able to, to, be able to see again. Uh, and it's really wonderful to meet. So hello, nice to, nice to meet you. I'm very happy to be here with you. In I mean, London city. <laughs> in London. I mean, God, I've got so much to ask you. It's so cool what you've created. A hundred stores and you're, you've still got so far to go. Um, talk to us about your background. How, I mean, you weren't going down this path, were you? What's the sort of story to creating Jimmy Fairley? What, what were you doing? Why did it happen? Talk us through that. Well, I don't know really why, but I always wanted to create stuff. And... Um, mainly to sell them afterwards. I don't know why it was in my in my head since I'm very young. You know, in uh, in uh, in the south of France where my grandmother was living, uh, and, and in the summer, you know, I, I used to like to have like uh, walks to find wild um, uh, herbs on the f- on the ground yeah. and just like pack them and then ask uh, to my uh, to my friends, okay, let's let's sell them door to door. Maybe at eight years old. So I don't know why I've always been interested in business. Uh, it's, uh, it has always been for me some, some kind of dream to own my business, to be uh, my boss uh, and, you know, to create something uh, from scratch. Yeah. This was when I was very young. And after that, uh, I started to develop a taste for aesthetics. Also, I don't know really why, because I come from the suburbs of Paris, cities around Paris, uh, which are like simple middle class cities. We are not really used to to see aesthetical things uh, in these places, maybe once or two times uh, during the childhood when you go to the Louvre uh, Museum with the school. But yeah. <laughs> after that, I don't know why I developed this. And... I started to think about how I can create a business uh, while uh, being able to to have beautiful products at the same time. Right, right, right. And I, and I always think it's so lovely to be able co- to combine the two. And was creativity and entrepreneurship around you growing up? What did your parents do? My parents didn't 
uh, had any entrepreneurial background, uh, but the thing is, they let they have uh, they have always let me do what I want to do right. without telling me it's good or it's not good. Just I do what I want. I did what I wanted to do all the times, and I'm I was very competitive uh since my childhood so i my dream was to be a professional football player for a psg the the french uh parisian team right and you know i wanted to to score goals and have the stadiums with forty-five thousand people screaming I mean, my name we all, we all. were you any good <laughs> but i was crap at football <laughs> <laughs> so i stopped and then i started volleyball because a friend of mine did volleyball and I don't know why I, I was very good since the beginning. And so very, very good. I don't know why. And uh, I started to grind and grind and grind. And then I did uh, like a very uh, high level uh, games, uh, training every day in a special school for volleyball players that will become professionals with the French Federation of Volleyball. And were you good at school? Were you successful at school? So... At school, I was a bit like the annoying little uh, guy uh, at the back, always managing to have like the the, the smallest uh, no, uh, notes possible to to pass through the next year. Right. So. So you didn't work very hard. I didn't work very hard uh, at school, but I did work very hard at sports. Right. It was all my life. It was a uh, maybe 30, 35 hours of uh, of school and maybe like uh, 20 hours a uh, week of training. Wow, okay. So like the Wednesday afternoon, we had like uh, maybe after, after, after lunch, I maybe I had like three trainings, two volleyball trainings and one uh, like uh, gym training. Right. Every weekend, sports game, uh, volleyball games. So it was a lot. I, I worked a lot since I'm like maybe 14 because... Okay. So nothing to do with, with optics at all. No, but it, the sports is very good school for me because three things. It's the only place where you can say to a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old uh, child, team sports are a bit violent when it's competitive because uh, if you're not good enough, you go on the bench. So it's, it's, it, it, it prints mindset of competitiveness in the, in the brain. In the individual. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it did. And also, uh, what I saw is that if... You, 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 maybe you're not good at service, you train hard, you become better. Yeah. Uh, maybe you are 12, you need to be better than the 14 years old. Yeah. At first, they are very good, you train, you beat them. I think it was coding something in my head, like you can achieve what you want if you put enough work in it. Yeah. And it's also good to, to win games, to be better, you know, to, to escalate. Keep progressing. To yeah. Keep, yeah. Yeah. And that's... Okay. Helped so sport a was a big part of your life. It taught you about competition. It made you want to be better. What did you do after school? What, did you go to university? So after uh, a few years, I didn't grown up as much as I should have. I'm speaking in meters. I should have been two meters high, but I'm only one, uh, uh, one meter and 88 centimeters. So I was too small to be very, very good uh, and very, very good professional player at volleyball. Right. Also... Some other players were more talented than me. So I understood that I won't be like an amazing professional playing for the French team and stuff. Uh -huh. So I started to say, okay, let's find other ways. And at this time, I remember that uh, we made the psychologic uh, trainings. Uh, so how to visualize the game, how to become more, you know, confident 
And this was very, very interesting for me. It's like it was a new world. Mm-hmm. After a few times when I was around 16, I started to have uh, like um, panic attacks. I don't know why. So I, I talked to the psychologist of the sport team and he told me, okay, go see this guy. And then after only one month, I didn't have any panic attacks anymore, but I found out that psychology is very powerful and interesting and it's a beautiful field where you can develop empathy and, you know, uh, maybe um, understand you and yourself and the people better. And since I was a bit bad at school, not bad, but I was not very good. I was below average. I was like, okay, if I do a business school, it will be not the best one, obviously. (laughs) So I started to, you know, to meet people from the business schools. Uh, I could go there because obviously I won't be able to go to HEC, which is the best in France. And I started to say to myself, okay, I don't think I will understand and learn how to to create a business. Yeah, because it was in my mind. Right. I wanted to create my business. So the quality of the schools I I was uh, able to go in was not amazing. So like I always do, I I did the opposite. I say, okay, let's go to, I'm going to read books of business every day, but I'm going to do psychology studies because it's here. It's free. University in France is free. It's right. here. It's free. It's interesting. And maybe I will be different than all the others. So I did like three and the, three years and a half uh, of psychology studies. At the same time, you're reading and learning and, and teaching yourself about business and reading all, all the these time. books. All the time. I was like maybe doing everything to have the just one point below average just to pass the years at home i was reading like uh, bloomberg like uh, i i remember um uh, uh, tech crunch at this time yeah. uh, and all the books uh, delivering happiness from uh, the tonisier uh, zero to one uh, yeah. all those books i was like reading them and after that maybe a bit of fraud <laughs> <laughs> and after that business and that was my thing were you coming up with loads of ideas were you or were you just broadening your mind and understanding how the world of business and commerce worked were there or were there actual like were you writing lists of potential businesses that you could start i had huge interest in all the new trends of business especially from america because for me to me um, uh, north america usa are the best in business so if you want to learn how to play football you go in brazil or in france or in the uk i mean if you want to learn about business you look at what they do because there is always something great coming new there. So I was very interested in looking at the new businesses. Every three months, four months, you have new businesses coming that are very interesting. And also after that, uh, I wanted, I was very curious about how people who succeeded did succeed. And I didn't find what what, what you didn't find out. No, because I found out that uh, there is not one answer. There is no like game changer ideas that changes everything. Most of the time, it's a bunch of small decisions yeah. around a mission with common sense. Let's yeah. say for a good idea, a lot of hard work and yeah, yeah different routes to get there. At what point did starting your own eyewear brand come come to light? Tell us, tell us about that. So after after three after three years and a half, uh, I needed to give uh, to the school a big uh, work called the Memoir to become like a psychologist one year after that. And I always had my business in in mind. So I said, okay, let's not lie to myself. I won't be psychologist. So (laughs) it's it's like, it's exactly when you're afraid to jump that you need to jump. So 
I stopped the, the, the school and I say, okay, now you, you have six months to, to launch your business. And well, you said this to yourself. Yeah, to myself. So I dropped school. Did you know at that point what you were going to do? No. no, nothing. So, so where, did, where did that come from? Well, you need to be a bit stupid and to don't uh, be afraid of risk. At this time, I had uh, little jobs with the minimal wage. Uh -huh. So what could be less? Uh, I had nothing to lose at this time. I mean, I worked like maybe one hour to make six euros. <laughs> so I had no kids, no mortgage, nothing. So I was like, okay, let's jump, let's try something. And uh, because I didn't want it to work uh, in small jobs, I, I started to create my own uh, little uh, web design company because right. it's really easy to learn uh, how to do stuff on on the internet to create websites. Yeah. And so I made a bit of money, like very like uh, small amount of money every month by creating websites to make me like be able to find the great, what I was calling in my head, like the great idea. I wanted to find the great idea. And after some times, I, I, I saw that uh, I will need money because it's not like the 300 euros that I had on my accounts that will help me <laughs> launch the business, you know. The business that you still don't know what it is. Yeah. You just know you need it. But I knew that I needed the money from people. Uh, and one of my mentors told me, you know, uh, like uh, 20 euro bills for some people, it's like no, like 10,000 or 50,000 euros or pounds. For some people, it's like a 10 euro bills for you. So you need to convince them. And so I started to, to, to read a lot about in what people with money are investing. And I, 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 I analyzed that um, they, they have trends like we don't all have. And you know, maybe in 1988, uh, the trend was selling books online. Uh, but in uh, 2010, it was this big thing that was like, will the web take over a, a big percentage of the eyewear market in France? Because eyewear market in France is huge, it's 6 billion. In France, people spend more money in their uh, lenses than in any other products uh, apart from uh, computers, phones and uh, TV screens. What? Yeah. Why? Because uh, we have like a health insurance system where you refund like maybe 300 euros uh, a year for some people, 400 euros on their glasses. Now it's every two years, but yeah. Is that unique to France? Yeah. Yeah, pretty unique to Who France. Who brought that in? The thing is, we have like uh, social security uh -huh. and above that private. And private uh, insurances, health insurances, uh, was uh, like a benefit from the big companies. Like you go to work to uh, AXA or France Telecom, you have like a nice health insurance. Yeah. Now it, it's, it's beca it became uh, an obligation. And so all those companies selling insurances for health above uh, social security, what can they play on? They play on, we have better uh, guarantees uh, on the fists and on the, the glasses. Ah. And then you sign with them because it's better benefits for okay. your employees okay. than... Uh, I see, that makes sense. So you, you were researching, you were looking at trends in France, you, you obviously came across the, this statistic that mm. people in France spend more money on eyewear than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. 
And what you then thought, right, I'm going to start Glasses Brand. Well, I saw that. So I saw that the seed investors wanted to have in, the, in their portfolio at this time a pure player online uh, selling uh, glasses. Right. So I said, okay, let's do this. And I started uh, with uh, my idea. With seed investors, they were saying we want to invest in a disruptor eyewear brand or you knew they wanted... No, I was like alone in my room, a uh, student room. So I didn't know anyone. I had no money, no contacts, no nothing. But I saw like this uh, company raised, this company raised, this company raised. And they were all like eyewear companies. So I said, okay. Okay, okay. Eyewear is a beautiful product because it can be beautiful and nice. Also, it's very expensive for what it is. It was very expensive for what it is. So I said, okay, I think we, I can manage to like create a company where I sell something nice for the customer. I think I can have an edge also because it's no pleasure buying glasses. It's just functional. Yeah. While it could be uh, a nice moment. Yeah. Also, uh, models are not always beautiful. This changed a lot over the years, but 12 years ago, it was not the case. But the product is something you have on your face every day. So the idea to give confidence to uh, the customers, to be able to create an experience that is different for a fraction of the price uh, with a product that can be nice, for me, it was like, okay, let's do this. So this was the big idea. You had the, yeah. you had the light bulb moment, as we say. Yeah, the not big really, idea. because I'm, I can explain to you. <laughs> I, I had an idea that I had things that I think was very, was clever. I mean, at least on the paper, it was clever, but in reality, it didn't work. The, 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 the average price for a frame in France is like 135, but the average price for the lenses yeah. are like two or 300 euros. Okay. So. What I say, what I was uh, thinking, my first idea was, okay, I'm going to sell only the lenses online and then partner with opticians in every town in France and they will sell the frame. And by luck, and this is, I think, a nice uh, thing to say to people who wants to create business is to meet people a lot, as much as you can and ask questions because by luck, I, I meet someone, I've met someone working in the industry and I, I pitched him my, my idea. I'm going to sell lenses online and stuff. And he told me it's a crappy idea. <laughs> People buy frames, they don't buy lenses. This is true. Yeah. He was, I'd have told you the same. Can I ask why are lenses so, why were lenses so expensive? Are they very expensive? It's expensive. I mean, clearly you found a way for them not to be so expensive. Why were they so expensive? In France, because of the health insurance, I think it's... It's like there is an inflation and it's why it's so expensive. But it's also very expensive in the UK. So I don't have any idea why it's so expensive. I, I'm sitting here wearing my Jimmy Fairley glasses, which have changed my life. And what's the cost of goods on these lenses? I think it can be like very, very high priced if you pay like for um, brands, lenses like Essilor or Zeiss, like high end, great brands. But if you buy them like OEM, like directly from the manufacturers, some prices can be as low as like maybe uh, five euros, five, five pounds a pair, a pair of uh, lenses, lenses for for low, low end, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet lenses were, were costing two, three hundred euros on top of the frames. Yeah, but those one maybe they cost like 20, 30 bucks, you know. Still, it's a, it's a nice. But the thing is, it's a nice multiple, it, isn't it? The thing annoying with glasses for the guy who make them is that you need to order them, take the measurements, 
feed them. So there is a lot of labor cost uh, and uh, expertise sure. to handle. So for instance, in France, we have like uh, 15 people, uh, 2 million euros machines just to edge the sure. lenses and have nice sure. quality. Sure. Going back to the guy who told you it was a crap idea just to sell lenses yeah. direct to, yeah. <laughs> to, to those that sold the frames. What happened then? You you went away and thought, oh, there's a problem here. I Did you did you instantly go, right, I'll do frames, I'll do the whole thing? So after that, the process was uh, what the others are going to do. So I found out that they are going to do like hard discounts. Like we buy glasses in China on the markets uh, and we sell them for 10 euros and say it's a revolution, 10 euros glasses. So hard discount online. And the other competitors to me, we are going to sell a, like branded eyewear, uh, maybe uh, 10 to 20 euros less than how much you're going to pay them in the stores. So still, still pricey. Yeah, pricey. And so I found out that it's so either a... super cheap. Yeah. Or, or just a bit less than still really expensive. Yeah, so you want your classic, uh, I don't know, Ray-Bans and you, in the optician store, it will be 129. And if you go online, it will be 110 and you go online. This, I, I was thinking there will be five websites doing this. They will all going to buy uh, ads on uh, Facebook and uh, Google and there will be no margin. And at the end, I will be, maybe I have uh, like 2% of my companies if yeah. I succeed to 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 survive yeah and for the very like the opposite part like like creating a hard discount brand selling 10 euros glasses online i don't feel comfortable doing this right because someone pays the price somewhere at some point so you ended up somewhere in the middle yeah because i found out that you can create value for the customers by giving access to style and quality at a fair price not the lowest price not like high luxury prices but just a fair price so you found the sweet spot yeah what happened next how, how quickly did you launch what did you do first presumably you had to go and you know, well, work out your manufacturing supply chain etc etc what, what was the process there so i still had 300 euros on my bank account so by luck there was an event called startup uh, startup weekend and so basically you go in a business school it was in toulouse at this time in france and you pitch your idea in 30 seconds to uh, like uh, an audience of uh, students if they applaud hard enough you're selected <laughs> and then the ones uh, who want to join the, the project comes at you so i had like five people with me and they help you uh, for a weekend they work like uh, all Saturday and Saturday night long. And then on Sunday, you present your project in front of a, a jury of uh, like maybe six or seven entrepreneurs. So for 48 hours, you work all through the night and you yeah. come up with what your business plan, your brand, your... Yeah, How the name of the brand, it? as far as you can go. Right. So the name of the brand, I did like a little uh, website, uh, like uh, not just a, just a picture of the website, you know, the idea behind and everything. And I don't know why, but I won. Wow. <laughs> I won. Well, I think I think we do know why. You've got a hundred stores. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was obviously a pretty good idea. Um, can I just, Jamie Fairley, the name? Where did that come from? So I didn't want it to have my name. Yeah. Because uh, like we say in French, I like like the submarine, feel, submarine philosophy. Like I don't want to be like uh, in front uh, line. 
my brands my brand needs to be in front line uh-huh. it, I, I like that idea and um, so I didn't want it to have my name everywhere uh, and then I always wanted to do business but to have uh, uh, something special something uh, like to do good uh, at least uh, 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 as much as we can so I, I wanted to do like the buy one give one Oh, week. so this is where Fairly comes in. I and understand. So I, I had no idea about how to, you know, to about the name. And so, like in the movies, there was a girl uh, at the brainstorming. She was eating uh, Ben and Jerry's uh, ice cream. And the, the flavor was Fairly Nuts. And I did just like in the movies, like Fairly. Amazing. We stay, we keep Fairly. <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy Fairley does not sound, Jimmy Fairley, when you say it in a French, mm. it doesn't sound very French though, does it? Was that a conscious thing as well? No, because I wanted international name. Yeah. And Jimmy is the, is like for James Dean, like Jimmy Dean. Okay. Because he's like timeless and a bit rebel. And I like the idea to have these uh, values in my brand. Clever. I like it. So for every pair of glasses that you sell, yeah, you give a pair of glasses to somebody yeah, exactly. Unable to afford yep. to buy glasses. Yeah. Was this part of the concept in that weekend? Did you come up with that? Yeah, yeah. Since the beginning, because I was a fan of Tom's Shoes, yep. which was um, a shoes company in the US, and they did like the one for one. Every pair you buy, we give a pair to someone in need. And then I did my research, and I saw that there was a eyewear company in the US called Warby Parker that did yes. the same. And I was like, okay, this is it. I need to do it. And so it's fairly a coincidence. So fairly is just to remember that we need to be fair. Yeah, I love it. Great. What a great name. So you won the prize. Yeah. You, you won the weekend. Yeah. Um, how many people pitched on the Sunday night? I think it was like uh, maybe seven or eight projects or something like Amazing. that. Yeah. Amazing. And what, what did you win? Investment? You I win. think I won like something like six months free from an accountant. But the main thing is contacts. And uh, a girl, uh, amazing entrepreneur called Céline Lazorte, was in the jury. And she directly came to me and, how can I help you? Amazing. And this was the beginning of everything. I said, because I learned about business, I said, help me raise money. I know no one. And if you help me, I give you uh, shares of the company. Uh-huh. And, um, and is she still a shareholder today? Uh, not anymore, but uh, she has been for uh, quite a few years. She was, yeah, and, yeah. Then you and her she out. helped us a lot. And, and did like, you structure it so that you'd be able to buy her shares back? We had a, um, a system to buy the shares back. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, after we sell the company, we can buy some. Uh, yes, some yes, yes, yes. Um, and did any of the students who worked with you that weekend go no. on to work? No, because they wanted to finish the studies. It was like ah. in December and uh, they wanted to finish like uh, the studies, which was in June. And I said, I don't have time. I need to go I fast. Need to go now. Need to go fast. But the funny story is that the, the, the guy who was uh, like organizing this weekend, Sasha, was the boyfriend of uh, Céline, who took me under... Uh, who gave me her help Amazing. and I, I said I want to have a partner to Céline and she said okay speak with Sasha my boyfriend who is he you know the guy who was organizing the weekend oh okay and then he became my partner I bef- 
I met him 48 hours after that uh, we signed together okay uh, what age were you then 23 years old amazing amazing now Sasha is no longer in the business you you explained that yeah. he got to a point where he's like we're big enough yeah and exactly. I want a quiet life and he yeah. You bought him out and he has a lovely house in the south of France and, and all is well. So exactly. um, he's no more, but he, he worked with you. What, but. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you for several years yeah like for we worked together like we were a couple i mean entrepreneur couple yeah <laughs> with uh, everything you can have like up and downs and you know we knew each other very well and it, we worked together for 12 years what's your view on having a having a partner um was that a really important thing for you what did he bring that you didn't did you have different skill sets I, it depends a lot, but in the fashion industry, there will be very few people that can be highly creative and very, very organized. So most of the time, what I've observed is that you have two people that are complementary to together. Yeah. And, uh, and you were, you and Sasha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also what uh, life taught me is that it can be some steps but maybe not the full story of a company because a company can be on a lifespan of like 30 years or something and maybe a partner can be amazing for the first 10 years and then after uh, what the, what the job became is not anymore what he wants to do sure so it's it's about timing it's about finding someone that uh, if you if you are creative it's about finding someone that respects you but can help you also to 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 understand that it's important to to organize a company to make it successful. So are you saying he was the organized one? We we were special because I think we are not. Uh, I'm creative, but I'm very business oriented. Right. So uh, we were both organized. The thing is, Sasha was more uh, into uh, negotiations, opening stores, uh, negotiating the real estate. Uh, uh, negotiating with the logisticians uh, like all the like the the how can I say that like the the motor 
Yeah. And I had the, the winning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. More operational, maybe. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, and so you and Sasha teamed up. You decided you were going to do this together. You had Celine, yeah. who was who helped you raise money. Yeah. Who did you raise it from? What did you raise? I raised it from uh, f uh, someone that I admire a lot, Oleg Chelsov. He created uh, several business online. The main one was uh, Fotolia, selling, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Stockside before it was a thing. So okay. it became huge. And I, I've met him with Sasha like uh, maybe the 23rd of December and at a cafe. We only had like one PowerPoint with like, uh, um, I think, uh, five pages. And what was on that PowerPoint? Were those projections? Was yeah, that projections we... that we will sell like 1 billion euros glasses in three years or something? Uh, which you obviously <laughs> didn't do, but you, you know, yeah. <laughs> they want to see a big... No, but he was very impressing. How he... many glasses do you sell in the first three years? Uh, I don't know, but very Not 1 few. billion. <laughs> Not even 1 million, I think. <laughs> um, but he, he was impressed. He liked you. I was impressed. He was just so smart. Like always like asking very sharp questions. We said, he said, how much do you need? 200,000 euros, which for me was like maybe 15 like, years no of way. savings. Yeah, he's like, no way, that's not enough. <laughs> and what's your valuation? One million. Okay. Okay, let me send a few mail. I come back at you. 24th of December, I go, uh, I'm going out of the subway. A call. Yeah, it's Oleg. Okay, I do it. Just like in the movies. <laughs> I was about to go eat the turkey at my family. It was snowing in the street. Okay, let's go. 200,000 euros, 1 million valuation. Let me send the mail to my friends. He sent the mail to his friends. Are you willing to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not me. Okay, me, me, me. And like this, in like two or three weeks after the startup weekend, I had a partner and raised money. Amazing. Yeah, so you amazing. gave him 20% for his shares. Yeah. And what did you do with the 200,000? We started by uh, searching for a manufacturer for glasses yep. and lenses. And then uh, I started to think about how the customer experience should be. And then uh, in May, so five months after, we launched. Where were you manufacturing? Were you manufacturing abroad in France? Where do you do it now? Uh, we were manufacturing at this time in uh, Italy and China. And today? And today we are manufacturing France and China. And how hard or not was that process? Was the supply chain? Um, you know, that's such an important thing to get right, isn't it? I think at this time I was really serious about it. But now when I think about it, you know, the memory keeps only the good things. So I just like, you know, uh, I, I was like just shaking every trees I found yeah. to see if there is some fruits going down. Yeah. And so it was such a good time. It was so easy. How do you do it? I Google manufacturer glasses and I phone, phone, phone. And were they doing the lenses and the frames? Most of the guy uh, are separate. Is there, you need three things. You need manufacturer for the frames, mm -hmm. manufacturer for the lenses. And you need, an, after that, the, the partner who will edge and cut the yes. lenses. Yes. Okay. So you, you, you found, you got all of those. Yep happening and that was all outsourced yeah and is it still you don't do any of that in not anymore but we, okay. we because you, we are talking here we are talking about 2012 
but we have partners that we have since 2014 15 right okay so you get the supply chain dealt with how important was sustainability at that point i mean now you know they say the most important thing a ceo can focus on right now we is didn't sustainability knew, to be honest at this time i was focusing on uh, doing something good socially so i was focusing on the buy one give one I didn't have in mind that much the sustainability part, which came a few years after. Okay. And now it's it's something big for us. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and you know, my mother was working at the Ministry of on- Environment since like the 80s, mm. like before it was cool. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So, yeah. The glasses are retailed at 129. Yeah. And for every pair of glasses, you then provide a pair of glasses how does it work so what we do is like we uh, finance through a non-profit called restoring vision we finance them the price of uh, reading glasses i see okay amazing and then and you've done this since the beginning yes since day one Amazing. and we have like a little trophy it's behind me at the office in paris we gave one million pairs with uh, restoring vision uh, since we worked together wow god congratulations that's very cool you you got your suppliers sorted you had your 200 grand did you open a shop did you launch a website what came first were stores always a huge focus so the it's a very interesting question because it's uh like the genesis of jimmy fairly i didn't spoke about one thing but to me business is mostly about common sense so what we do and what i speak with the team every day since the beginning and it saves it saved us in the past and i will explain why is we don't do uh, rocket science things. It's need, it needs to be simple. We do consumer goods, and so there is goods and consumer. So the main thing is to make customer happy. And so our motto at Jimmy Fairley is make every customer say, wow. I'm not saying that we succeed 100% of the time, but it's the, the goal. And so at this time in France, selling glasses online was all new. There was no law around it. So to be able to sell online, you needed to have like a place, a location, physical location where you can receive people. Yeah. And with all, you know, the materials and then the states come, give you uh, a go for for the physical location and then you can sell online. That was the logic at the time. Right. And so all my competitors, I meet with them and they say, okay, so what we're going to do is to have offices upstairs and we will put on the website in very little, uh, you can have rendezvous uh, in our offices to have glasses. And so they have the physical location and then they have the go, the, the go from the government to sell online. And I said, okay, we and I say every day, focus on the customer. So maybe we do differently yeah. and we open a store. So we will see customers every day and we will learn how to adapt because it's way smarter for me to uh, observe the customers and speak with them than just imagine from my desk what they want. Yeah. And we did this and online didn't work at all. I mean, yes, we like maybe we did like 25. I, I remember our biggest month was 27,000 euros. And in this little store in a crappy street in Paris, the kind of street full of people, you know, buying gold and uh, sex shops and stuff like that, you know, the kind of streets. We were making more money on Saturday than the whole week uh, online. Oh. And I said, okay, 
okay, it's not working online, but maybe it will work on the high street, high street because everybody loves the brand, but still no, no one of my friends buys my glasses. My mother doesn't buy my glasses. No one buys my glasses, but when I speak about the brand, everybody loves it. And so at this time, we had no money because we, we spent all on the online advertising. And I say, okay, let's put everything we have, all our, all our savings, everything uh, in, in the store. It will be the last thing to survive, but we will succeed. And we opened the store in Le Marais, Rue Vieille du Temple. I remember the 11th of May, uh, 2012. And in the, two, uh, the three weeks uh, remaining in the months, we made uh, 35,000 euros. So the biggest months ever for Jimmy Fairley. And it was like that. And then every Saturday and Sunday for like two years, I was working in the stores, understanding the customer, trying to make them happy, just understanding what they search, what they want. Because I'm competitive, people say to me, okay, but your brand is only for like, you know, the fancy guys in Paris, in Le Marais. And I say, okay, the second one I open in a small city in France. So I open in Toulouse. Well, not that small, but yeah. and say, okay, And then after that one, 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 and since now, now we, we open like 30 stores a, a year. How many, how many stores do you have in France now? In France, 81, but wow. we have now a lot in the UK and in Belgium. And yes. so, uh, two weeks ago we opened our 100th store, which is just in at uh, like maybe 500 meters from the first one we opened. So it's in Le Marais and it's. It's like a spaceship, a pink spaceship, and it's our, uh, it's our new store. It's your flagship now. It, it's, it's one of our flagship because we have several, but it's, it's just, it needed to be special. So please check on Jimmy Fairley on Instagram. You will see the, the pictures. It's amazing. How did you market the business? How did you drive the footfall? You talked about spending money on online advertising yeah. and, and getting through that. Um, quite quickly did you open the stores and then people came was it that simple the beauty with the uh, tail is that the advertisement is the, so is the store so we spend very very few uh, we have low budgets on on advertising the thing is it's always about common sense so really i wanted to have happy customers and the marketing is the word of mouth so 35% of uh, custom new customers comes from word of mouth 50% comes from um, passing through, uh, passing by the store. And then 10% tourists. Ah. So maybe it's only 5 to 10% for the advertisement. But the main thing for us and what keeps us alive is happy customers. It's really cool to see a brand that's killing it via stores. You know, we're in a world where it's harder and harder to run profitable stores hmm. unless you have a real purpose and a reason to be there clearly jimmy fairly does but is it hard to run stores the thing is with stores it's harder and harder the more you have because uh online you don't have ac that doesn't work you don't have uh, someone that is late to open the door and then when you multiply you have a lot of uh, chance to have problems yeah. but at the same time if you have great teams it's so much powerful for me than uh, than digi digital 
because you can produce a full experience yeah. and make customer way happier with the the real life experience and uh on in the pixel experience yeah i have to say i think you have such nice staff in your stores i've been in several times and they really are just charming and friendly and warm and that's that's so nice to see what are your best sellers talk, talk to us about the range how big is the range so the range needs in my mind to be uh not too big because when you go to the classical optician store there is what i call the illusion illusion of choice mm. so what we wanted to do is like uh, small selections of only 200 to 250 models it's quite a lot yeah but if you go in an optical store it will be maybe 800 really or, yeah because if you divide men women optical uh and sunglasses then yeah. if you go to men sunglasses opticals then it's only uh 75 or something like that right about 250 styles you've got yeah. did you bring in sunglasses from the beginning uh yeah yeah we do like all the classics in the like uh the classics in the industry like the pantoscopic shapes and, and round shapes we we do the same shapes but uh you know we have like a a little uh, joke in, in at Jimmy Fairley, we say we try to do not the you know the way farer from Ray-Ban. Yeah. So we have a philosophy of the way better. <laughs> which we we have our round shapes in the beginning, but we are try to do the the way better of this shape every year and to increase what we call like uh, objective quality and perceived quality, and which are maybe not the same all the time. And so over the years, if you go to the first collection. If you saw the first collection we did in 2012 and the one we, we have right now, I think the change is so dramatic and amazing because now we really have like 600 euros uh, glasses that we sell for 129. Amazing. The styles are amazing. I mean, they're real sort of fashion accessories, aren't they? And they're, there are some quite out there glasses and they're brilliant and they're part of your look and that you know I, I was blown away actually by by your but style you know, we've been really there. geeky I, I don't want to be really geeky on the on the frames but uh we've been in so much detail so the frame the, the screws were upside down at the beginning now it's from upward the, the little screws have a little uh, pajamas in teflon that will help them being unscrewable uh, we have a lot of small, small, small changes. Like we dried the acetate a few days more than the other. Like we shoot them in cold water. There is a lot of details to achieve quality. And it's a process that we, 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 uh, we improved for years and years. I mean, you've sort of answered what I was going to say to you next in that. But there's a lot of competition now, right? You know, you, you're one of the originals. Hmm the original Disruptor brands, mm. but there's a lot of brands on the high street right now. Um, how are you unique? How are you different? How do you, how do you maintain your position when there is so much competition? Uh, when I was younger, as an entrepreneur, I was always looking about uh, to competitors. Right now, I don't look at all. I just look to the customer's review. Uh, I go in my stores. I see how they... How, how they behave, how they feel, and I adapt uh, to the customers. And I ask myself, what would bring us down? And if I see something, 
then I, I improved Jimmy Fairley around this. Why is Jimmy Fairley better than the rest? I think common sense. No, I know. I precisely know. It's glasses that are beautiful, not too expensive, in a nice location, people smiling at you. If you want to change, there is a new collection. Uh, if you want to be bold today, there is a nice pair for that. If you want to be classic, there is a nice pair. And it's simple. Only two prices for the lenses. Only two prices for the frames. Was there a moment where things suddenly started to snowball? Do you remember a moment, other key moments in the, the journey of Jimmy Fairley where you've gone, wow, this is really happening now? It's like, you know, you know, like when you look at yourself every day in the, in the mirror, you don't notice the change. Mm. So I really didn't notice the change, except uh, after the COVID, we did. Uh, so in 2019, we opened 30 stores in the year. And after uh, that, 2021, we had like a big uh, event with all the Jimmy Fairley stores um, staff. And when I had to speak, then I saw like 300 people in front of me. And then I say, okay, <laughs> this is serious. This is a lot of people right now. We are so big. And another time also on a Saturday, we had problems in, in the logistics. So like with three or four of my team, we were making like the, the packages. And four of us for six hours, we only did like 25% of the orders of the day. And I was like, okay, it's really huge now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So many things to pack. I've got too big. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are your favorite styles? So one of my favorite models, I like the oversized Lou, uh, uh, which is in acetate. And I like the, the Rocky, which is like, a, uh, we have to reorder it every time. It's in metal, it's an aviator. Very, very edgy and cool if you wear it in optical. And I like the knacks that you have also. I like them too. Oversized right now is the big thing. I love it. And who, who celebrity-wise, high-profile-wise, have you seen in your glasses and thought, that's cool? Andre is saying he, he doesn't remember, but his PR is sitting there next door and she's just told me that it's Kendall Jenner. So that's, that's a pretty cool one. One guy in Paris came in our store. He's from K-pop. I don't know the name. I'm so sorry. He, he did like post one thing. Yeah. And I think you, we had like 300,000 uh, 300, likes on the picture he, wow. he posted. He was huge, huge, huge. And after that, a lot of French celebrities. I think Emma Watson with her uh, PA came also and bought some glasses. We have like, a, yeah, we had, we had a few. But I'm a little geek in my office. I look at customer <laughs> reviews. Yeah, you're looking at the numbers and the reviews, <laughs> not the names. Yeah. I get it, I get it. <laughs> It was the most pro glasses anyone's bought in one order. It was uh, the 2nd of March. Uh, so the order was £9,000. Uh, it was in the UK. £9,000 on glasses. So 70. 70 pairs of glasses. <laughs> That's amazing. You mentioned a mentor. How did you find your mentor? Do you still have a mentor? Do you have several? What, I love to have mentors. I have several. And... Uh, my technique is when I have a field uh, that I need to explore, for instance, we need to open uh, physical stores. I try to look at the best in class in my mind in this discipline. For the experience in store, 
I don't know if you remember in 2012, but Apple stores were, were amazing. Like no cashier, yeah. iPads only. Yeah. And so I managed to find uh, the CEO of uh, Apple Store France and speak with him. After that, I noticed that French uh, brand called Sandro yeah. had very, very good sellers. Every time I hired someone from Sandro, it was very good. So yeah, they did I managed to find them, the founders. Ellie and Frédéric. Mm -hmm. And after that, a few years after, they, they invested in Jimmy Fairley. Yeah. And so I try to find every time someone who is doing great at the thing I want to improve at the time. Right. And this helps me to have a lot of, uh, of, of mentors and I love to ask and learn. And yeah. something I need to say for the, for the young entrepreneurs is that you will be amazed to see how people want to give back when they succeed. I couldn't agree more. I, I, on a panel on International Women's Day, I said the very same thing. Yeah. Pe generally, you reach out to people, mm. and, yeah. and people, you know, we're intrinsically good as human beings, and, yeah. and people want to help and know that they, they needed it when they started out, and actually still do. What other advice do you have to people running their own business in the early days, thinking about it? I mean, you've given so much good advice, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Mm on learning and reading and when I started Sherlock's I read and read and read every white paper I, I found the other day box files mm. of all these white papers I'd printed and oh my god there were so many um <laughs> but you know there is so much you can learn out there there's so much you can learn from other people by having a curious mind you know I, I so believe in in what mm. you've said today is, is there other advice that you would yeah, sure. so if you create your own business, be ready to have the work at the center of your life uh, for a lot of years, to be worried a lot of times, honestly, to, f to go to bed thinking about business, to wake up thinking about business. So it's, it's a commitment, it's responsibility, it's not something uh, that uh, is easy, but it's beautiful. And my main advice is to stay very, very, very simple and common sense all the time and to just think about... When I mean common sense, is like simple, brutal common sense, which is you sell things to customer, let's make customer happy. Don't think about... Uh, because when you start a business, you're afraid about the business plan, uh, accountants. How am I going to uh, uh, create a, a contract and stuff? This is all details that people will help you to do. The main thing is how do I create something special for my customers so I'm different? And uh, for instance, uh, at Jimmy Fairley, we focused a lot, lot, lot on this and we had a lot of um, delay on some important things we should have done, like having like uh, IT systems that is... Uh, ready to take the growth and stuff. We, we delayed stuff like that just to focus on the customer. And the basic was like, maybe we don't have the nice IT system, but we have uh, people in our store buying glasses. Invest in the main, main thing of your company. And most of the time it's customers. Quite right. Have you raised a lot of money throughout the last 12 years? So at the beginning, we raised 200,000. After that, 700,000. After that, 1.2 million. And this was in 2014. And after that, zero. Only the stores were profitable. We opened them when we had enough, enough money to, to open another one. And then we go to the bank. Can you, we borrow money for this store? Yes. Okay, let's open it. Like common sense again. Yeah. So this is very important to me because the spirit of raising money without being profitable is very hard to, 
to counter. And nowadays we see how, how when when the sea goes back, you see uh, we didn't have um, shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, uh, when you raise money, but you don't want to be profitable, then you pay people uh, that you cannot afford and stuff and everything like that. And at some point, uh, it's very hard to have a mindset of being profitable when you are in the luxury of raising all the time. You've got 100 stores. How many stores are you going to end up with? How many stores do you want? When I started, I had one store in Paris and I was thinking maybe we ha can have two or three. Now we have 30. A big moment I was so proud of. Uh, December, I go to, to London with my uh, uh, international director and I... I go on Google map and I, I type Jimmy Fairley and I see like 15 red dots, red, pine, red, red pins. And I was like, oh my God, it's huge. It's cool. So I think, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one, maybe now I will say 200 stars and maybe tomorrow we will say like 1000. I don't know. Will you remain European? Well, this year we open in Spain and Italy. We open f uh, 15 stores in the UK, 15 stores in France, three stores in Belgium. Uh, and I want next year to be uh, able to go in a, in a new continent. I hope so. I hope so too. I think the whole world needs your glasses. <laughs> Thank you, Anto, so much. So many great words of wisdom. What a story. What a success. Congratulations. Thank you so much Thank for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a total pleasure. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe tell a friend to listen to and we will be back soon thanks very much Bye -bye. thank you hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.